Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of The Hiker Podcast. I am super excited for this week's episode. It, I, I, first of all, just want to thank you all for making this podcast a success. I had this idea a few months ago, and then finally I, I decided to go ahead and, and go forward with it, and you all have reached out to me. You have been so cool to me. You have been so amazing to me. I, I, I'm, I'm a new hiker. I just started hiking, getting into hiking in the last year, really started taking it seriously this summer, and uh, I just want to learn as much about this as I possibly can. Hiking in the outdoors has fundamentally changed me and who I am. If you want to learn about that, listen to episode one. I tell my story. So with that said, I just want to thank you all for reaching out to me, uh, emailing me, messaging me on Instagram, telling me your story of how you're a new hiker too, perhaps, or maybe you're, I've had someone um, message me who's an established hiker and who was encouraged by the podcast. I've had several people say, I'm a new hiker and thank you for demystifying hiking. And that's what we want to do here. We want to demystify hiking. We want to get to the stories of the people behind the trekking poles and find out how the trail has changed them and how they in turn go and change the world around them, making it a better place. So thank you all so much for listening and for reaching out and for wait for the segue. Here it comes. Wait for the segue and for leaving Apple podcast reviews. And we have a new one this week from Howard who says five stars. Great podcast. I enjoy listening each week. Andy digs deep into the motivation behind the hiker and discusses the experience each has had that changed them and their outlook on life, jobs, and relationships. They also share tips to make you a better hiker. Keep up those dreams. And uh, I have a little bit of an admission here. I'm pretty sure about 99.9% sure this particular review is from my father. If you listen to episode one and two, you hear that I share a little bit about how when I was in high school, early college years, um, my dad really got into the outdoors, mountaineering and hiking. And uh, yeah, not me. I was the kind of, I was a city boy. Being in Vegas wasn't really my thing. I always used to say, if I need to get there, there'll be a road to get me there and a car to take me there. Um, obviously that attitude has since changed in me. But over the past few weeks and months, my dad and I have grown a lot closer and uh, I really appreciate that, Dad. Thanks for uh, leaving that wonderful review. But he has started a outdoor leadership organization called Western Adventure Expeditions. And uh, I would encourage you to go check out what he does. He's a motivational speaker, keynote speaker, um, great stuff. Just go to his website, westernadventureexpeditions.com to find out what, what my dad's doing um, in this space. It's so weird uh, that we both kind of started these things separately, not knowing what each other were doing at the same time and so yeah thanks dad i'm pretty sure it's you if it's not you this is awkward anywho but if you'd like to help out the hiker podcast um you can go ahead and leave an apple podcast review apple podcast is still the king of podcasts the way it works is if um you search hiking podcast on itunes apple podcast apple podcast will bring up the the podcast with the most reviews, the best reviews and the most written reviews. And that kind of floats up to the top. So when you leave a review, it helps more people find the podcast. So leave a five-star written review. And by written, I mean 
leave some comments when you leave the five stars. Many of you have left just the stars and I really appreciate that. It does help a little, absolutely. And I understand maybe you don't wanna share it, and that's totally fine. But if you can share it, that does help me not only get the word out about the podcast, but to find out what you like, what people are liking. But maybe you don't wanna write the review, you, you can also email me, andy at hikerpodcast.com. You can go to hikerpodcast.com for all of the different ways to listen, including Spotify and anchor.fm and every other way. We're getting more and more ways each week. And eventually I'm just gonna be able to say, Google Hiker Podcast, you'll find a way. Um, our website's getting better and better on the search engine optimization stuff. So thank you all so much. But with that, uh, I'm super excited because last week we had PCT Hiker close call on. She was amazing. And I love just talking with her about how the trail provides. It was a great conversation. If you haven't listened to close calls episode last week, go listen to it now. But close call got me in touch with um, Renee Shira Patrick. Uh, who is the program coordinator for the Oregon Desert Trail at the Oregon Natural Desert Association in Bend, Oregon. I know we have a lot of Oregonians on here, but I just got to tell you, Oregonians, we like to hike. We really do. Um, And she is an amazing person. It was an amazing conversation to have. She's helping establish the Oregon Desert Trail, a 750-mile trail through the Oregon Desert. Yes, Oregon is more than evergreens. We have a desert on the east side of the Cascade Mountain Range, if you did not know. But Renee Patrick measures her time by the miles she hikes. This long distance backpacker has racked up over 11,000 miles on 12 different trails around the world, including the Triple Crown of hiking, the Appalachian Trail, or Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. And like I said before, her current job is establishing the 750-mile Oregon Desert Trail through southeastern Oregon. Go follow her on Instagram, um, at symbol, wearehikertrash. She is just an amazing person. We had an amazing conversation, and she's been super helpful and kind to me as I've gotten into this community of outdoors people and hikers um, and just helping navigate the space and uh, giving me suggestions of who to bring on and how to how to proceed with the show. And I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to know her more and this community more. And hopefully when this whole COVID thing's over, getting a chance to, to meet her in person. So this was an amazing conversation. We talked about inclusion on the trail. We talked about the Oregon Desert Trail. We talked about her journey and the Triple Crown of Hiking. We talked about you know, what is a, you know, stereotypical hiker. We talked about gear. We, t- we talked about so many things, hike, how hiking help helps with mental health. And just, we could have easily talked for two or three hours. Um, but you know, time is a thing. So we had to, of course, cut it short, but I, this is an amazing conversation. I'd encourage you to, uh, just sit back, relax and enjoy this conversation before we get to it. We're going to have a quick word from our podcast host anchor.fm and then my conversation with Renee Shira Patrick.
Wings Air Hikers. This is Andy Neal, and I love having all different kinds of voices, not only hikers, but people who have taken their love of hiking and turned it into careers and, 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 and use what they've learned on the trail to do other things within the world. And today I am so excited to have on the show Renee Patrick, who not only is a, if, I, if I'm reading your bio right, you're a triple crown through hiker. Correct. And- yep. And you are the head of the Oregon Desert Trail Trail Association and the Oregon Natural Desert Association in Bend, Oregon. Uh, do I have all that right? Almost, yeah. The Oregon Desert Trail is, we're really not even a trail association. We're a project, I would say. Um, but yeah, I've been working to establish that long distance hiking route for almost five years now. Awesome. Now, you are in Bend, Oregon, which if anyone knows, you know, the outdoor community, uh, I've only been to Bend, living in Oregon, I've surprisingly only been to Bend a few times. And once I went there to do a a pilot, uh, to, fil- to film a pilot, I was on the crew there, and the, I was blown away by the outdoor community there. So you kind of live in, out, in an outdoors person's paradise in Bend. Uh, everyone I talked to was fiercely into the outdoors. And they also said, please don't move here. Please don't move here. Please don't move here. <laughs> That's all I ever heard from everybody. Everybody has said, Ben sucks. Don't move here. I, I got the feeling they were not telling me the truth. But um, <laughs> Yeah, we are blessed to be surrounded by a lot of public lands, rivers, mountains, um, trails. And I actually moved here, I think it was after I hiked the PCT. And I like to say I had unfinished business with the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, The year I hiked, there was a fire in 2006 that had closed about 60 miles from Mackenzie Pass to Brighton Bush Lake. Um, So places you would access from Bend. And so I found myself I found a job. I moved here, but it was really ironic that it was exactly the place where I need to go and finish my PCT miles to have a complete through hike. Awesome. Yeah. Oregon just tends to draw people in like that. I never thought I would move here. I'm a big city kid and I actually married. My spouse is from Bend and uh, Medford. Uh, she lived in she went to high school in Bend and somehow I ended up in Oregon. Never thought I'd end up in not if I moved to Oregon, I thought I'd be in Portland, but I ended up outside of Ashland, and uh, I just fallen in love with it, and I love everything about this area, and it's caused me to love the outdoors. But with that, let's talk about your story. How did you first get into hiking? What what gave you that bug to one day, you know, become a triple crown plus hiker? Uh, I would say my story starts about 20 years ago. So I did, I grew up in the Midwest in Wisconsin. I had no hiking, backpacking, camping experience until my 20s. Um, It was after college, I joined the Peace Corps. So I went a month after graduating from college in Illinois, I found myself in the West African country of Burkina Faso which uh, if you're familiar with West Africa, it's sandwiched between Mali and Ghana. Anyway, uh, Peace Corps volunteers over the years would bring books because there is so much time to read and dive into those huge uh, works like Shakespeare or, or War and Peace or something. Anyway, I picked up a book about a woman, a woman through hiking the Appalachian Trail. And to this point, I had never 
heard of through hiking. I had not really been on a real hike. I mean, I traipsed around the woods and the countryside where I grew up, but something in her tale about hiking the AT captivated me. And so this was the first couple months that I was in my village. So if you're not familiar with the Peace Corps, um, you live in a remote, well, in my circumstances, a remote village for two years. I was a health education volunteer. So I did a survey of the health issues and I had 15 villages that I was sort of working with. What are the major health concerns and try to help them find ways to um, mitigate some of that. Um, But there's a lot of downtime. And so I read this book right when I got to my village and then thought, this is it. This is what I want to do in two years when I'm done with the Peace Corps. So then there was a lot, lot of waiting time until I actually got on the trail. So I returned back to uh, the Midwest. I lived in Madison, Wisconsin for a while. This was in 2001 um, when I returned. And then I was planning from there on, I planned for the Appalachian Trail through hike, which I did in 2002. So I got out there with a friend of mine who was in the Peace Corps with me. We had both Basically, it was my first backpacking trip. I read some books. I There wasn't really a big internet um, p- place, repository of information. There was no social media. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of flying blind a little bit. Um, started with a super heavy pack, all this crazy gear. Um, but I loved it. I loved, I loved the people I met. I loved the physical challenge. I loved seeing what my body could do day after day. I loved getting to the point after about a month of hiking where my body felt like a machine, like I could do anything. I could charge up the hill. Um, It was very empowering and very addicting. So you complete the AT, which is for a lot of through hikers, I've discovered that seems to be the kind of the intro into through hiking. What about that made you say, I want to do this again and then again and then again? (laughs) Well, like I said, it's it's addicting to have the feeling that life is so simple. It's so simple that everything you need is on your back. The fact that putting one foot in front of the other day after day uh, adds up to crossing a continent and seeing these amazing places and meeting people from all walks of life. Um, life, it's just so simple and so pure and the little pleasures are magnified. Um, and I didn't jump into my next trail right away. I decided to go to grad school. So it was two years later that I hiked again. I went to grad school in England and went up to, um, Scotland to hike the West Highland way, which is a hundred mile trail. But It was something I knew I wanted to keep in my life, but I had some other bigger things to do rather than through hike year after year after year. So you go, you go to Scotland, and then at what point are you like, this could be a part of who I am, not just something as a hobby, but you've obviously made hiking uh, a part of your career through many different aspects. You go go to grad school, you, you, you go hike in Scotland, and you're like, you have these other trails you're going to do, but you're eventually make this a part of your identity and career. What was that decision process looking like, or did it just happen? 
No, it was very intentional. So it happened after I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. So after grad school, I returned back to the States. I moved to Portland, Oregon. In fact, looking for a job, I studied museum exhibition design, and my undergrad is in graphic design and writing. Um, there were no museum jobs at the time in Portland. I worked as a graphic designer for a short time. Um, and then I realized, hey, the next big trail is right outside of Portland, the Pacific Crest Trail. I did not move to Oregon or Portland intending to hike the PCT. I knew it one day, but it was just circumstances. The job was just a job. I wasn't very passionate about it. Um, again, I wanted to just keep hiking. So it seemed like the perfect time. It was 2006 when I started the Pacific Crest Trail as a solo hiker. And that experience, that hike was so incredibly joyful. Um, again, I'll use the word empowering, uh, just magnificent that I finished the Pacific Crest Trail in 2006, deciding that, you know, I did just get a graduate degree, but I want to live outside. I want to make hiking my life. So I looked for different jobs. I kind of threw some, some ideas and some resumes out into the world and found a job in Durango, Colorado to train to be a trail crew leader, to do trail maintenance and lead youth um, in trail work around the state. So in 2007, I moved to Durango and did that for most of the year. And then since I was there, I hiked the Colorado Trail after and then was looking, that wasn't quite the right fit for a career. So again, I, I looked around and found this job that I that brought me to Bend in wilderness therapy. So I moved to Bend and for the next two years, pretty much lived outside for those two years as a field staff, using nature as an intervention in teenage lives um, that were struggling with a variety of different things, depression, um, anger management issues, different things where their lives just weren't working anymore. And I knew how powerful spending time, extended time outside was. And so I was really um, interested in helping to use nature as a positive redirect um, with, with kids out there. And so, yeah, I did that for two years. Hardest job I will ever, ever, ever have. <laughs> way harder than the Peace Corps, way harder than almost anything, but so rewarding. Um, let's see, 2008. And then, you know, all these outdoor jobs, it's challenging to make money. Um, I don't need much to live, but it's a lot of these jobs don't really bring an, much in or enough in. And I had student loans and was really, um, struggling to make ends meet. So I went back to my background of writing and graphic design and worked for a publishing company in Bend for a few years. And during that time, I planned the next through hike, which was the Continental Divide Trail. And I also started a small business around hiking called Hiker Trash. And so during that time, I wanted to stay engaged in the hiking community, even though I wasn't working in the outdoor industry. So I taught myself to screen print I would buy um, clothing from thrift stores and upcycle them. So print um, hiker trash and a bunch of bike designs on them. And then a 
a friend of mine in Bend, Brian Frankel, who actually started the company ULA, which is a popular backpacking company. Um, he had the idea, let's, let's start Hiker Trash as a business. Um, so we did that in 2014, sold hats, shirts, lots of different. It was really a brand um, that we would donate some of the proceeds back to trail organizations. So the Triple Crown Trail Organizations. And again, it was my way to stay engaged. But through that, I was able to meet a lot more hikers. I got engaged with the Continental Divide Trail Coalition um, and with the executive director, Teresa Martinez, who really kind of took me under her wing. And when I hiked the CDT in 2015, I was their first trail ambassador. Um, I worked with her, went to a couple outdoor retailer shows and interfaced with different outdoor brands and really got to see what goes behind the scenes in making a long distance trail. So that was invaluable. Um, I have a long, I have a long history. Yes. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. Let's back up a little bit here. You you just kind of casually mentioned after the AT, after the PCT, you did the, the CDT. That's the triple crown of hiking. That's no small feat. Was that just kind of something, you know, it was the next in line or was it just, you always wanted to do it or just did it, what was that process looking like to, to decide I'm going to just go ahead and do the triple crown. It wasn't the, the notion that I would do the triple crown. It was the fact that I love spending five months outside hiking. And really those three trails at the time, now there's some longer routes that people are piecing together at the time. Those were the three options you had for spending five plus months outside hiking. So, and it was also an evolution of my skills and experience hiking. Uh, there's a lot more risk and challenge on the Continental Divide Trail with navigation, with weather, with long water carries, with isolation. And so I had developed my skills through the other trails and through my outdoor work to feel confident in doing that as a solo hiker. So I hiked the CDT by myself um, and confront those challenges, be able to make good decisions to keep myself safe. And really by 2015, I had been hiking for 13 years. I, I needed it and I was also wanted it to be my hike. I didn't want to compromise uh, why I was out there to hike much with other people. And so that may seem a little selfish, but um, I was in it to spend solo time outside, challenging myself, rising to the occasion um, in these beautiful landscapes. And, you know, out of that, I think something that I really, really am passionate about is helping other people be comfortable by themselves outside, not just camping. It could be camping. It could be hiking. It could be through hiking, but I found such reward and um, comfort and excitement and empowerment uh, in being by myself in nature and rising to the challenge. Oh, wow. I want also want to back up a little bit more here. You talked about your time working um, in, th in therapeutic uh, wilderness um, therapies. And I know from my own story, it's been 
being discovering hiking and beginning the process of getting healthy has been very therapeutic for me. But my spouse and I, we've adopted children from foster care. And um, our son, particularly, we have been, you know, trying to get him help because he's suffered great trauma um, from his um, his previous environment before he came into our home. And we have found that the only thing that has really begun to to work for him was going hiking with me and then just seeing how that just he's a different person on the trail. Um, he's going longer and longer miles. He's on the trail opening up about his past in ways that he's never been able to do in, you know, in a, in a counseling office or another, another environment. It's not that those things aren't important, but what do you think it is about the outdoors that really allows people to begin to heal and how is hiking healing as so many people say now? That, well, that's wonderful. That's really exciting to hear that he's had such a connection to spending time outside I think it's a number of things. Um, we have always, we are a part of nature. I think, um, you know, native cultures, tribes have, uh, our predecessors have, we humans have lived in close connection with nature outside for thousands and thousands of years. So this is, this is our home. You know, if anything our indoor life is the aberration like this in, in the whole spectrum of, of humanity. It's really just recently that we're living inside of walls. And so I think part of it is we are connected to this place. We are part of it. We have a relationship with the outdoors. We have always been there. And so part of it's maybe coming home. I think there's something very powerful in moving your body through nature because I know I feel incredibly creative when I'm hiking, when I'm moving, it's, it's my, my brain kind of is in a a rest state or, um, I just tap into a flow, (laughs) if you'll call it that, where, uh, you're not focused on a particular task. You're just, you're just, you just are, you're being in that moment in time. And that allows for incredible, like tapping into both creativity to your thoughts, to sort of confront maybe some some tragic or hard history that you might have. Um, I also think nature treats us like adults. That's a quote by Gary Snyder, uh, a writer I really enjoy, but nature is not going to coddle us. Nature is not going to judge us. Nature, we have to um, take care of ourselves and learn how to interact with nature and and it's not gonna enable us or belittle us. I, I think it's just a wonderful, beautiful thing to reconnect with our home. That's awesome. And I've definitely seen that in my own life and in my, my son's life. Going off of that, why is being out in nature alone sometimes important and there's always a different dynamic and you go out with friends you know on a long day hike or a backpacking trip that's cool but then there's something just different about being out there by yourself safety issues notwithstanding what what is it about being out in the wilderness on a trail you know for a couple hours or for a couple days or for an entire through hike by yourself i think it's 
being able to be with ourselves. There's so many distractions these days. It's like, when's the last time you spent quality time with yourself without distractions? And and again, I say no judgment, but it's also away from other people um, that may influence how you act or how you think or how you present yourself. Um, you can just be you with all your flaws and all your beautiful things without outside eyes, if that makes any sense. And for hiking, I think it's so powerful to go on your own because it then it is truly all up to you. You decide when you get up in the morning, when you start hiking, when you stop for a break, when you take a swim in a lake. I've done lots of hiking with friends and I love that aspect too, but it's not my hike anymore. If I go with my boyfriend or my best friend, I'm, I want to make sure they're having a good time, that they're getting a lot out of it. In fact, this weekend, I'm taking one of my best friends on her first backpacking trip, first ever. And I really am excited to help craft an experience that she will resonate with, that she will love. But this weekend hike is going to be very different from if I was going out by myself. So it's just, you allow yourself to find what makes you happy. And some of those things, um, reading, I love to take books. I feel like my attention span when I'm outside away from other people and technology, I can actually read and retain the information so much better creating art. I know I have friends who draw and paint and they're unable to do that as much with as much depth as when they're with others or at home, whether it's yoga in the outdoors or writing or all these things you're, when you're by yourself, it's just, it's just you, you, you hold the, the key to your experience. And I think, um, the more time we spend by ourselves out in nature, the more time we become comfortable with ourselves, we accept ourselves, and we can really see who we are and what makes us tick um, and where we want to go in life. Awesome. I've definitely seen that in my own life. Um, shifting a little bit here. I, I'm curious to know of the term, the origins of the term hiker trash. You said you, you started that uh, company where where did that come from? It's it's become a, a term of endear, endearment in the community, and and I've seen your Instagram hand, handle. And what what what's the origins, or is there origins behind the 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 term hiker trash? Good question. You know, I don't know where it started. So it was a phrase used a lot when I started hiking um, on the Appalachian Trail. Where we are all hiker trash, and so what that means is. You know, we may wash our sock, dirty socks in a gas station sink. We may resupply and spill out all over the parking lot to repackage. We smell so bad. You don't know how bad you smell until you get indoors, but it doesn't really matter anymore. The dirt, the smell, the lack of showers, it's 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 a badge of honor to 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 the to not care really that much about the superficial things about dirt and smell. Um, so yeah, it's always been a term in the community. I did not come up with it. Um, I did not trademark or anything like that. I made some logos um, that were unique 
different variations of hiker trash. And that's what we printed on hats and clothing. It was my own interpretation. There are lots of other hikers out there who have made stickers and shirts and have tattoos Mm -hmm. that say hiker trash. So it's really like a community uh, term. And my, like you said, my Instagram handle is we are hiker trash. Again, I love the community and the fact that we can all be dirty together. I think dirt is a great equalizer. I've met so many different kinds of people on the trails and you don't know, you don't know who's a lawyer, who's a student, who's, you know, a, a midwife, because we're all just dirty hikers. That's awesome. Oh, goodness. So shifting a little bit here, I'd like to talk a little bit about your work with the uh, Oregon Desert Trail, uh, the Oregon Desert Trail Coordinator in the Oregon uh, Natural Desert Association. My first question is, having myself grown up in in Las Vegas, I, I understand that the desert in and of itself is, you know, ecologically very diverse and it's, it's more diverse or and beautiful than people would ever realize compared to like a place like, um, you know, the Redwood forest or something like that. But why on earth would anyone want to hike over 700 miles through the Oregon desert? <laughs> Good question. Uh, well, I had spent personally before I came to to this job, you know, the the Pacific Crest Trail, the Continental Divide Trail. I'd also I've also hiked the Arizona Trail. You're spending extended time in different deserts, and you realize I realized how how different these deserts are, how beautiful they are in a different way. They're also very challenging, um, but I had really come to enjoy desert hiking. So it was actually after the Continental Divide Trail, I returned home to Bend, Oregon in 2015 to find that the Oregon Natural Desert Association, which is a conservation group, was hiring um, someone to take the Oregon Desert Trail to the next level. So this was an idea that our conservation organization, we refer to as ONDA, had Um, our executive director at the time was a through hiker. He had hiked the Pacific Crest Trail And we have incredible landscapes in the Oregon desert, the largest fault black mountains in the whole country, the oldest human evidence uh, of Native Americans in the whole country. We have, it's part of the Great Basin, which is this fault block range. We have glaciated mountains in the desert and these canyons and river quarters. We have the Oregon's Grand Canyon, which is the Owyhee River. So these amazing places that were really far off the beaten path, there are not many paved roads in Eastern Oregon. So he thought, what if we connect these places that are hard to get to with a hiking route? Because often the best way to access and see these places is on foot. So that's the the best way to see and experience these, experience these places. And it will also Uh, bring people to the places that ONDA has been working on for over 30 years to protect, um, restore, just sort of watchdog against, um, you know, things that could degrade the environment and the habitat. So very much the whole route was taken into account with wildlife habitat. Are these healthy places? Are these Um, places we can do something about. And one of the big issues is fences. So this is an area that's been ranched um, since the Oregon Trail. 
you know, the mid 1800s. And so all of these fences over the years have been put up that tangle the pronghorn, that tangle the sage grouse that live out there, that really get in the way of this habitat connectivity. And so we work with volunteers to remove fences. Unfortunately, through hikers on the Oregon Desert Trail, we'll still cross a ton of fences. It's still a grazed landscape. But, you know, it's it's discussing through this, this route. And I say route because it's not all trail. It's a lot of cross-country hiking. We discuss these issues, these issues hikers will encounter on public lands, these different land designations, um, like a wilderness or a wilderness study area. We talk about the land management agencies like the Forest Service and the Bureau of Land Management. What are their jobs out here? There are multiple uses on the land, not just recreation, but like I said, hunting. Uh, there's hunting, there's uh, ranching, there's mining, there's um, just rock hounding. There are a lot of other uses. And so helping hikers understand the land they're walking through in a deeper way. And I found that was something I didn't get on the Triple Crown trails or other trails was an understanding of the land I'm walking through, the issues facing it. Is there anything I as a hiker can do if I care about these places? So we, I've developed a number of conservation or actions hikers can take as they're hiking to help us in our work. Um, to help habitat, you know. Um, so there's, it's really wanting people to connect in a deeper way, not just with the Oregon desert, but to take that with them and on their next hike, on their next trail, look at, so what's, what's the history here? Um, who has lived here? Uh, how was it, how was this land used? Who take care, who takes care of it? Um, is there anything I can do to take care of it? And so to just engage in a deeper way, um, which has been a real sort of joy and learning experience for me. It's kind of been my own journey in learning more about conservation and restoration and habitat um, and public land management. It's been mirroring, mirroring my own journey um, to this place and then building and developing the materials and resources so hikers can learn with me. That is awesome. And I know though the desert where I'm from is very different understanding how important a desert landscape is to the entire ecosystem is so important because I've seen firsthand living in an area that was growing so fast. What happens when you destroy those things and don't take care for the environment and to, to educate people on why, it's not just a desert. There is, there's a lot that's happening here and why it's important to the entire ecosystem is, is so crucial to, you know, education, educating people on, on environmentalism and on how ecosystems work. So that's just awesome. Um, yeah. Shifting gears. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I just want to say one more thought. And I think it goes back to what I was saying about this is our home sort of like understanding these places we've humans have lived for thousands of years um, and it does have real consequences like the, the, you know, the ability for the animals and plants to exist. It will, it does impact how our lives will be in the future. So anyway, yeah, it's, it's really engaging and really important, I think, for us to get involved in our own uh, personal favorite trails or our next trail we're going to hike. 
Absolutely. So shifting gears a little bit here, we've had a, a few conversations um, about this. Well, looking at your Instagram, you are big on advocating for diversity on the trail and in the outdoor environment. And in this, you know, environment we're in right now, politically and everything, what what about that issue has, has charged you to kind of be like, we need to make sure we are advocating for LGBTQ rights, um, people of color, and, and, and other other diversity aspects in the outdoor spaces. Um, it is, admittedly, outdoor spaces are very whitewashed. So what is it about that issue that has energized you to speak out? Yes, I'm very fired up right now. Um, and I think it, it, a lot of it goes back to my belief at how empowering and healing and fabulous spending extended time in the outdoors is. And if there are, um, you know, hikers of color or hikers that are of different gender orientations or identities, if they don't see that it's welcoming and that's sort of something that they can have, that's really limiting. And I also think there always have been, there always have been hikers of color on the trails. There always have been hikers of color doing outdoor activities, but you don't necessarily see that so much of our lives are are on screens these days on social media, um, advertising campaigns for the newest water bottle or backpack. And so much like I never knew through hiking existed until I was in my 20s. I never went camping. There are probably, there are so many people in this country and around the world that also don't know this is possible and also never considered themselves spending that time out there. And I think, as we've talked about, how amazing and transformative it can be. That's a, you know, that's unfortunate for our humanity, for our communities for individuals who don't see themselves out there, don't think it's possible. So again, I think now is the time to um, elevate different voices to support um, more people getting outside and having the experiences I've had and you've had as a transform transformative thing. Um, the more that I can do that, I think we'll be better as a society. I think I, I have always said, I think we would be a healthier country if more people through hiked, because again, you learn what really matters. You learn how to live simply, how to take pleasure in the little, the little things in life. And if we could take that and inject it into our whole culture and society, it would be such a, a better place for all of us. Absolutely. And I, I think and that works for every aspect of our life. When you when you open things up and, and and understand that we are better in our differences, that our diversity makes us stronger. That includes the trail. That when we include all voices, it just makes the trail that much better and gives more people the opportunity to be transformed. And can tra and if we're if we're transformed by the trail or by the outdoors, we're all so much better. And uh, I, I I love that like that. I'm so, I'm so passionate about that. So thank you for your work you do there and, and speaking out. I know it's hard for people to speak out, but you, you do that unabashedly I've seen online. So just thank you for that. Uh, absolutely. Um, 
with that though somebody who's right now they're at home they're on their phone sitting on the couch and they're like i a lot of people right now with covid have gotten out and gotten to the outdoors for the first time um what would you tell someone thinking about you know, just starting hiking for the first time they're like you know what i I can't go to the gym right now. Um, I keep seeing all these posts about going out into the outdoors. What would you tell someone who's thinking about starting even just day hiking for the first time? Um, not not the the practical stuff. You can go on YouTube and get you know the gear and all that, but just to prepare themselves mentally to get out and and, and hike. I think first is just is don't overthink it. <laughs> I mean, a hike could be half an hour. Um, in your local park, um, just somewhere where you see trees and grass and maybe not even a manicured, tended environment. Um, nature is a little bit chaotic and, and that sort of also gives us the feeling that we don't have to be perfect. You know, going for a walk in your local park is awesome and it's very contrived and managed. Nature is chaotic and so are we. So, I just don't overthink it. And I think a lot of people who are just starting or want to start get hung up on things like gear and what do I need to do? What do I need to buy? And I think this is something I really want to stress with new hikers. You don't have to buy anything. I bet you have some kind of tennis shoe. I bet you have some kind of even a school backpack some kind of water bottle. Um, you don't need much. I'm really inspired by the first woman who hiked the Appalachian Trail, Grandma Gatewood, back in, I don't even know the year, but it was many, many years ago. She hiked with a canvas duffel bag and Ked shoes, like s- small oh, wow. canvas shoes. Um, you can use a shower curtain as a tarp. You can... Um, go to use gear sales. I go to thrift stores to buy my hiking clothes, a long sleeve button down shirt and a skirt. Um, you don't need to buy a thousand dollars worth of gear to go on your first backpacking trip or overnight trip. You don't need a stove. You can just eat cold food. You don't need special backpacking food. Mm-hmm. Pack out a sandwich, a PB and J, you know, um, take an apple. It's just, um, it doesn't have to be a barrier if you don't want it to be. And then if you're, you find you really love it, sure. Then invest in some, some other gear, but don't get hung up on things you don't have to get you outside. Um, just go, don't overthink it. Just go. I love that so much because when I first got into hiking last year, um, we recently here in Southern Oregon had an REI open up. So like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. And you walk into an REI and just, you're completely overwhelmed. And you know, the, the, the wonderful people there, they come up to you and like, Hey, what are you doing? And like, Oh, I'm thinking about taking up hiking. So they're like, Oh, you need the shoes. And then you need the pack. You need it. And you're just like, yeah. And just go, just go and do it. It's just yeah. the best advice. I, if, wow. <laughs> if you go to a gear store, they're going to sell you gear. You know, and yep. that's that's <laughs> the reality of it. Their business is selling things and probably things you don't need. Like I think REI definitely has a place in the outdoors, in the outdoor industry and community. But to be honest, a lot of the stuff in these big gear stores, you don't need. It's it's not 
even the right fit. The, they'll sell you the biggest mm -hmm. backpack, the most burly yep. shoes. I actually hike a lot in sandals. I, you know, use sometimes it almost looks like a day pack. Like don't, don't necessarily listen to the gear store right away that when you go to the gear store, it's often a good time after you've spent some time and you know what you want. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I know like for me, I, I have, you know, water bladders that I don't use anymore because I use water bladders three times. I'm like a water bottle for me, for me personally, just having a water bottle in my pack was better. And there's other things like I spent all this money on the, you know, the most expensive camelback and this and that. And it's like, I didn't need it. I have my, my $2 smart water bottle I keep, and I've had the same bottle for, you know, six months now. <laughs> so Exactly. Just, and you may, what works for me, like you said, is not going to work for you. And we all have different needs and desires and what works for that employee you talk to at REI is not what is going to work for you. So again, another um, sort of plug for take your time before you invest. And cause some of this gear is expensive. You can make yes. your own gear. You can do without, you can go, I bet you can find almost everything you need at Ace Hardware or hardware store to take you out. Mm -hmm. And that's something I was looking forward to doing this year. So I do a lot of presentations around the state of Oregon. Um, I was supposed to come to your neighborhood this year, but with COVID, that's not happening. But something that I was really excited to do was go to some of my small trail communities like Lakeview or Burns, visit the stores they have there and find items, everything you would need to backpack in that community that has no outdoor store because it's possible. And so... Yeah, uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to do that in the future if COVID ever goes away. Um, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, wear your mask, people. Um, with all of that, the the hiking community has has definitely changed, and I've heard it said from the PCTA that for a long time, um, the the book Wild was what drove people to the PCT. Now you talk to the PCTA, they say it's youtube it's the online community it's the instagram how in positive and maybe not so positive ways has this just outdoor space online affected day hiking backpacking and and and, and through hiking and what can we do to make it better yeah, it's really interesting because when I started um, 2002, even the Pacific Crest Trail in 2006, there was no, no one carried phones. There was nothing. There was none of that. No apps. You actually use paper maps <laughs> and a real guidebook. Um, but then on the Continental Divide Trail, I, I love to write. So on every single trail, I've, I've written a journal every day. And so on my blog, on the Continental Divide Trail, I was, it was really exciting to write and, and upload photos and have a daily journal for the 160 days I was out there. And to actually have my family, friends, people I didn't know sort of along with me in the journey. And I think that is a, is a it's making, all this technology is making the outdoors in a way more accessible. And when I talk about welcoming more people and letting them know this thing is possible, a book did that for me. A book did that for me when I was living in Africa in 1999. And a book did that 
on the Appalachian Trail. So a walk in the woods came out soon before I was hiking. So we had the the walk in the woods bump on the Appalachian Trail that year. I think there were 3,000 hikers out. When I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, there were 300 of us. So that landscape has totally changed. But I don't think it's right for us to gatekeep, to keep people from finding out. In fact, the like I said, the more people that hike and know about hiking and get out there, the better. The problem is overcrowding. Um, and so the overuse that's happening on some of the long distance trails is the poop that people are not burying, the like impacts, the campsites that are happening. That is more of a problem than the fact that more people are hiking. We want more people to hike. So then, yeah. I, it, then I think it goes down to... Um, other trails. So there are other trails coming into their own every year that will help spread out use. But another thing that we haven't touched on um, that I want people, hikers, to, to understand and do is navigation, is to feel comfortable looking at a topo map, navigating, getting themselves um, from one place to another. And a lot of that is off trail. If you're willing to hike off trail in the appropriate place. It's not always appropriate everywhere. For example, in high Mm -hmm. alpine areas with fragile, heavily impacted areas, you don't want to create new trails. But in Eastern Oregon, for example, where there are no trails, if you go off the trail and you can look at a map and say, ooh, that mountain looks cool. I want to go there. How am I going to go there? And you figure out how to go there. That's helping spread out the use. If you can say, I want to leave my house in Ashland or Medford and hike for a hundred miles, you look at a map and you say, how could I do that? You connect some roads to some trails. You make your own trail. You make your own route. I think that is a really exciting um, evolution of hiking trails when we can make up our own hundred mile hikes and that will help spread out the use that will give you some more of that solitude that you probably were expecting to find on the PCT and you didn't. Um, take it into your own hands, make up your own route. I, I love that because I, even my, I've, I've begun to do that because, because behind Ashland, Oregon, there's this whole system of trails that are maintained by the city that go all the way out, connects with the PCT, connects up to Mount Ashland. And I just said, okay, literally five different trails and they all connected. And it wasn't one trail. It was this kind of loop that made my way from my car up, you know, thousand feet back down to my car over 10 miles and that's amazing advice i love that and it really does spread out the use um, because we do have this technology now um the, the the gps and the maps and you can you can route your own trail that is spectacular advice i absolutely love that um kind of winding down here i'm curious how has hiking over these last years changed you from when you started to now it's a part of who you are it's your career how has it changed you hmm how has it changed me i think it's it's kept me young <laughs> i feel very um young at heart and and open and accepting to to change and to adversity i think hiking has has helped me do things that I didn't think were possible. I remember my first 14 mile day on the Appalachian Trail feeling 
invincible. Like I never thought I would hike 14 miles in a day. If I can do this, what else can I do? And so it's, it's challenging yourself and, and a through hike along distance trail. You have to keep moving. You can't just give up in the middle of the wilderness. That's not going to work. You have to, and you're down and out when you're hurting, when you're sad, you have to keep going. And I think that's a beautiful thing about a trail. It's linear. Even when you don't want to keep going, you have to dig deep and keep going. And that's a great metaphor for where we find ourselves today. There's so much uncertainty. We don't know where this pandemic is going. We don't know where these social justice issues are going. We hope they're going to, a lot of this will be resolved and will come out and be a better and stronger mm -hmm. world. But we just have to keep going, even when we feel discouraged and hurt and upset. We have to keep going. Renee, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. I feel like we could talk for more for several more hours about all these all these things. And um, but with that said, where can people reach you, find out about what you're doing, find out about the Oregon Desert Trail? What are all, all the places people can go um, for that stuff? Well, I think you were saying where can people find out more about me? Yes. Okay. Um, several places. So I have a blog that I um, keep for hiking and I do a lot of pack rafting. So hiking a lightweight kayak, inflatable boat into the wilderness and boating wilderness rivers. So my hiking blog is shirahikes.com. So my trail name is Shira. Princess of Power, if you watch the cartoon He-Man and Shira in the 80s, which I did. Um, my pack rafting blog is Adventures with Packraft. They're all linked. And then if you're on Instagram, I'm at We Are Hiker Trash. And where can people find out about the uh, Oregon Desert Trail? Right. So we also have an Instagram account, um, Oregon Desert Trail. There is extensive information, everything you would need to get out on the trail, learn more about public lands, and it's all free. So that's on the website, onda, O-N-D-A dot org. And um, backslash Oregon Desert Trail, or just Google Oregon Desert Trail, it'll pop up right uh, right away. So I encourage you. You don't have to be an expert hiker to get out on the Oregon Desert Trail in sections. We do have a little bit of trail, and we can help direct you to the right place so you can see how amazing this this landscape is. Awesome. One last question. Your trail name is Shira. What's the story behind that? Yeah, so that was, I think it was day three on the Appalachian Trail. Uh, my hiking partner, Cindy, and I uh, got to the first mountain, Blood Mountain, right before Neil Gap. Uh, it had been a cold, just rainy, crummy few first few days. We were in a lot of pain. We were also sharing, this is another gear tip, we were sharing ski poles, cross-country ski poles that we got at a rummage sale, garage sale. So we each had one ski pole. And that day on Blood Mountain, the sun came out. I just had that first feeling of euphoria. So I got to the, the top of Blood Mountain and took my hiking pole and raised it into the air and said, I have the power! And again, that was a, that cartoon was a big part of our childhood. Yes. So right there, Cindy named me Shira, and so I've carried that for the last 18 years. Oh, wow. see now I want to go up into my attic and find all my He-Man and Shira action figures. I know they're up there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh yeah. I completely, I completely forgot about that show. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so into that Skeletor and all. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, Renee, thank you so much for coming onto the show uh, and, and talking to us not only about hiking but all the other issues of, of environmentalism and social justice. And uh, thank you for what you're doing uh, with the Oregon Natural Desert Association. And uh, everyone, make sure you please follow her and the Oregon Natural Desert Association online. Uh, thank you so much, Renee. Thank you, Andy. It was a pleasure. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Renee, for coming on the show. Just thank you. Like I just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to reach out to Renee, like she said, go on the Instagram. If you want to find out more about the Oregon Desert Trail, uh, go to onda.org slash Oregon Desert Trail. You'll find out all the fun stuff there. Also, I do have an announcement to make. We have our first company sponsor, um, Sawyer Products, makers of the water filters, makers of the insect repellents, amazing organization and company has decided to partner with the hiker podcast and we are doing seven weeks of partnerships of segments in a whole episode actually too, partnering with them next week we have on the show through hikers prodigy and peanut those are the uh the trail names i'm going to give you uh many of you may know who they are and they both work for sawyer super excited to have them on the show yeah, we're going to spend a little bit of time, about 10 minutes at the end, talking about Sawyer. But really, we're having a conversation about how hiking has changed them and how they go and change the world around them, how we can change the world around them, around us, around everybody. You know what I mean. And it was an amazing conversation. Um, we, ha- we had about a you know, 45, 50-minute conversation. And uh, after next week's episode, we're going to do six weeks of what I'm calling just the Sawyer segment, where we're either Peanut or Prodigy come on the show and talk about different products or aspects or things that Sawyer products is doing. They are more than just water filters. I will, I will tell you that uh, they're doing some amazing stuff over there at Sawyer and I'm super excited to have them on the show and have Sawyer products as, as a sponsor of the show for the next seven weeks. And thanks to Sawyer for everything uh, you're, you're doing not only around the world, but in the hiker community as well so make sure you tune in next week for that with that said guys thank you for listening to the hiker podcast go to hikerpodcast.com for all the different ways to listen and for all our social media stuff you know the instagrams the instagram i'm 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 mostly on instagram so go there you can follow me andy at andy films and hikes and of course you can follow the hiker podcast on instagram at Hiker Podcast or just go to hikerpodcast.com. With that, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's episode of The Hiker Podcast. <laughs>